everybody. Good morning, good morning. Uh, Right, let's pray just before we start. Father God, we welcome you into this place. We thank you that you are here with us today. We trust you, Lord, that you are sufficient for everything. Lord, I pray that you would be with us today as we worship you. Fill us with your spirit. Use us to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen to all that. Absolutely. Well, morning. You're probably wondering why I'm here and not Carol, but Carol's busy, uh, probably clearing up. I won't say recovering. Uh, it was Nev's 70th birthday weekend this weekend, and they was out celebrating and uh, enjoying that. So I'm giving you the notices this morning. But what a great start to our service so far. Live on those words that we've sung. Live on the words that Jesus says. Because they strike you deep in your heart and carry you through. These are the promises and assurances that he gives. And as we think of that into this coming week, on Monday with the uh, ladies meeting, meeting down here at half past one. Um, see, ladies do get to do things. You have a go at us men with men's breakfast, but you ladies have got stuff too. But meeting tomorrow, half past one down here, pray for that. And if you're a lady and want to join, speak to Marraf, Jean and uh, Pauline. I'm sure they'd love to see you come along and support them and share time of fellowship together. Then on Tuesday, there's the ARC playgroup at half, uh, 10 till 11.30, then 1 till half past 2. Again, a great important ministry as we reach out to those in this community, especially the little ones. And don't get me wrong when I say it's not so much about the little ones, but more about the carers and parents and grandparents that bring them. They're the ones that we are able to engage with and share the love of Christ. As, of course, with the little rugrats as well, as they're running around causing mayhem. Bless them. Thursday, lunch club. Uh, around about 12 till 2, uh, although we're open from about half 11. Again, a great time of fellowship to come and just to be with one another, uh, chewing the fat and the sandwiches. Not that there's fat in the sandwiches, but that expression of chewing the fat and talking with one another and sharing fellowship. A great time together. Then, as we accumulate all that, Saturday is our monthly prayer meet. And again, a great opportunity to gather together, knock the dust out of your eyes. It starts at half nine, so you may get a bit of a lay in. But come and join together in prayer with and for each other, our church, our community, and wider afield. It's important that we come and we do just that together. Dates for the diaries, fast forward in March the uh, 24th, is our AGM. Uh, for church members lots to discuss in that lots to give thanks to God for as we see how faithful uh, and and humbly he works in our lives and graces us in many things over this last year and all what's been accomplished there Uh, reports uh, for the AGM uh, if if you're a leader of a group or uh, an activity can you please get your report in if you're unsure of that come and speak with myself uh, can direct you on that, but can you please get all reports in by Sunday the 10th of March, so only a couple of weeks, so I can prepare the report and get it out to all members in good time. Speaking of AGM, there's nominations for uh, re-election of secretary, to which Carol's happy to stand, um, treasurer, 
and also for uh, Rob as deacon as well. So we have nomination forms here. Uh, they'll be at the front at the end of the service. It is for members only that can uh, put their name to and sign this by one member and then seconded by another. But these slips have to be, if you want to take them away and do that, that's fine, but they've got to be in before next Sunday. So that's three clear Sundays to the AGM. So they have to be in by no later than next, uh, well, realistically, it's midnight, Saturday, Sunday. Um, but they've got to be in by next week. So a great opportunity to do that here after the service, if you're able to, please. And I think that's about it for notices. Uh, again, our website, uh, Facebook and pages are all updated. And of course, the weekly update email that comes out. If you're not getting that and you want that, again, get in touch. Let us know with your details. We'll add that to the list and you'll uh, receive that on Monday morning as it goes out. Come to our reading. Uh, Suzanne's going to uh, come and lead us in God's word this morning. But before she comes and does that, let's just have a look at the reading. Uh, which, if you've got the Pew Bibles, it's on page 978. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 4. We're continuing in our series of Lent, the second week already. Where the heck time's going, I have no idea. Today we're looking at forgiveness. But in particular, Ephesians chapter 4, page 978. And here we're looking from verse 25 onwards. So Ephesians chapter 4, page 978, and from 25 it reads, Therefore, having put away a falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbour. For we are members one, uh, for we are members one of other. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's just pray on that before Suzanne comes up and leads us in those words. Father God, we just ask that you would open our eyes, our ears and our hearts to receive of you afresh this morning. This may be a familiar passage to us, but Lord, we should nonetheless be expectant and hoping, full of that expectation, to receive from you afresh again today. So Lord, I pray that you would anoint Suzanne as she comes up and brings us your word, and Lord, that as she's speaking, we too will hear that other voice, that small, quiet voice, that voice of you, Lord, speaking deeply and profoundly into our hearts, that we will be leaving here changed and transformed by your word and by your actions through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in and the name and the glory of him, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Suzanne, do you want to come on up? 
Thank you, David. Thank you for the reading. And the verses we are going to actually home in on today are verses 31 and 32. So, it is the second week of Lent, and we're going to explore what it means to be forgiven by God, and consequently, what forgiveness looks like in our relationships and church communities. This is a very important area to consider together, and Lent is a great time for us to reflect and deal with what sometimes can be a very hard and challenging subject. Paul was writing to the Ephesians to strengthen and encourage them in their faith, to provide doctrinal teachings about the church and its unity, and to address ethical, moral conduct among believers. This letter of Ephesians was intended for both the believers in Ephesus and the surrounding region. He addresses various themes including the unity of the body of Christ, the role of grace in salvation, the mystery of the church, Christian conduct, spiritual warfare, as well as the relationship between husbands and wives, parents and children, and masters and slaves. So you could ask, what is the relevance of Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32 to us today? This verse is situated within the broader context of Paul's teachings on the unity and maturity of the body of Christ. In the preceding verses, Paul discusses the importance of putting off old self and putting on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So these verses form part of Paul's letter to the Ephesians to the Ephesian believers, to live in a manner worthy of their calling in Christ, demonstrating love, humility, forgiveness, and well, forgiveness towards one another. So, it is the start of Lent. How many of you give something up for Lent? Favourite chocolate? Watching TV? Late nights? I had a friend all the way through school from so high who always gave up chocolate. She went to an Anglican church only on special occasions, year in, year out. Her family gave up chocolate, which always made me think from a family that did go to church and, you know, had faith, who didn't give up chocolate. Um, Quite what motivated her. The tradition of giving up something for Lent can be hugely beneficial but it's important we don't turn it into a time of discipline for the sake of discipline or a season of self-improvement purely for our own sake. Are we giving up chocolate, in this case, to draw our sights towards God and as an act of spiritual discipline or because we want to be a bit healthier and feel a bit better about ourselves over a time? There's nothing wrong with the latter, but the former surely is what Lent is about. Forgiveness, perhaps, is the ultimate call to give something up. It is the process in which we are able, by the grace of God, to fully and lovingly let go of the things which might be damaging our relationships, things done to us or things 
that have happened between us. This can be a long and difficult process sometimes, but the truth of Easter is that forgiveness is possible, not only for us as sinners, but for us as those who have been sinned against by brothers and sisters. So let's consider, ah, let's consider three main points in these verses that we're going to look at this morning. These are renouncing negative behaviours, embracing compassion and forgiveness, and imitating God's forgiveness. So, number one, renouncing negative behaviours. Paul urges the believers to rid themselves of harmful attitudes and behaviours that disrupt the unity and peace within the body of Christ. This includes bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander. By renouncing these negative behaviours, these believers are urged to create an environment of mutual respect and understanding. We're all human, and I'm sure we can all recognise that we fall short of living our lives as Jesus commanded us to at times. Becoming more Christ-like and renouncing negative behaviours is, of course, a key aspect of Christian life and something we've heard time and time again. It's also something that the early church needed teaching on and being reminded of several times. And the Bible provides several verses to stress how important this is. For example, the Apostle Paul also addressed the same issue to the Christian community in the ancient city of Colossae. So in Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 to 10, we read something very similar to our verse. But now you must also rid yourself of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Peter too focuses in on the importance to stop these same things. In Peter 1, sorry, 1 Peter 2, verse 1, Therefore rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. All of these verses emphasise the need for all believers to actively discard their former sinful nature and negative behaviours and to embrace the new life found in Christ. They highlight the transformative nature of the Christian faith and the call to pursue righteousness and holiness by renouncing behaviours that are contrary to God's will. Second point I'd like us to consider is embracing compassion and forgiveness. Our passage today emphasises the importance of continually cultivating a spirit of compassion, kindness and tender-heartedness towards one another. Instead of harbouring resentment and anger, believers are encouraged to demonstrate forgiveness, mirroring the compassion and forgiveness they have received from God through Christ. 
Bible is full of God's compassion, highlighting his unfailing love and mercy towards humanity. Throughout the Old Testament, God's compassion is a recurring theme. Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7, God reveals himself as the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This declaration sets the foundation for understanding God's compassion at nature. We see time and time again how God cares for, provides for, forgives and protects the Israelites. The Psalms also contain numerous passages that speak of God's compassion. Psalm 103 verse 8 describes God as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This verse underscores the enduring nature of God's compassion. There's many other verses, that's just one. And then in the New Testament, the life and teachings of Jesus emphasize or amplify God's compassion. In Matthew 9:36, it is written that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. There's endless examples. Jesus often used parables too to illustrate God's compassion, such as the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, which we know really well. And it vividly portrays the father's compassionate responses to a wayward son. So I hope you are reminded, or can see for the first time, how the biblical teachings on God's compassion consistently emphasise his loving kindness, his mercy and willingness to forgive. These teachings serve to reveal the heart of God towards us, his creation, portraying him as a compassionate and caring father that we know he is, who seeks the well-being and restoration of us, his people. My third point and final point is to get us to think about God's forgiveness of our sins, our wrongdoings and our need to forgive others. So, Paul points to the believer's own experience of God's compassion and forgiveness as a model for their conduct towards others. By extending grace and forgiveness to fellow believers, they reflect the transformative power of God's love and mercy in their lives, contributing to the unity and well-being of the Christian community. Looking at verse 32 again, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as, is that not? I'm sorry. Almost. How about that one? Ah. Right. Verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, 
forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. When I read that, which I've done quite a lot recently, I think of the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that you were brought up, well, if you were brought up through the church or had a school that had assemblies, you could rattle off daily, probably without even thinking much about the words that you were saying. So let's just think a little about the importance and compare it to our verse today. The Lord's, Lord's Prayer, which, which we all, all know, in Matthew 6, 9-13, and Luke 11, 2-4, is a model prayer given by Jesus to his disciples, serving as a template for how believers should pray, and includes petitions for God's will to be done, for daily provision, and for forgiveness of sins. Verse 12, Matthew 6 says, Forgive us our debts, as also as we also have forgiven our debtors. Or in the newer Anglican version, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. But the next verse, the next verse goes on to say, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 14. So what is meant by sin? These are our wrongdoings, things we might say or do that we shouldn't, things that maybe we haven't done or said that we should have done. While Ephesians 4, 31, 32 focuses on interpersonal relationships and the need for forgiveness and compassion among believers, the Lord's Prayer emphasises broader spiritual themes, such as the submission to God's will, dependence on him for our daily needs, and the seeking of forgiveness for one's own sins. So in closing then, these three points reiterate the significance of maintaining harmonious relationships within the body of Christ through the rejection of destructive behaviours, cultivation of compassion and forgiveness, and for us to emulate God's graciousness in our interaction with each other. So let's just spend a few minutes in silence, just reflecting on our lives. Let's honestly consider if we forgive others like God wants us to. consider if we've asked God for the first time to even forgive us or if it's something that we need to do and if we've known God for a long time if there's things that we still need to ask him to forgive us for Father God, we thank you that you are a loving and compassionate God who cares about every little part of our lives. 
God, help us to be a community of loving people. We pray you'll be the centre of and inspiration for all our relationships inside and outside the church. Help us to live in the reality of your love and forgiveness today by forgiving others who've hurt us. Help us to forgive ourselves too, as we know in our heart the power of your forgiveness over us. Amen. Father God, be with us as we go out this week. We thank you that you are a God of breaking chains. We pray that you would help us to find those chains within us. The people we've not yet forgiven. The things that we do that we know we shouldn't. Lord, this Lent, help us to identify them, bring them to you, and help us, Lord, to break those chains as well. In your mighty name. Amen. 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 Amen.